0: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Warning, this podcast contains explicit language. So if that kind of stuff offends you, turn this off quick before fuck.
0: This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the new snack food delivery service for gay conversion therapists to keep in their office. Nurturebox Hetero Treats. Trust us, we know how hard it is. You've tried showering off the gay from your clients. You've tried bleaching the gay out of their rectum. You even helped them get their blood pH out of the homo range. But that's all useless if they're eating gay food. box, You are what you eat. Not gay stuff. And now, The Scathing Atheist. I'm Robert. And I'm Amy. From Secular Yakking.
2: And we did, in fact,
0: evolve from filthy monkey men.
2: And women.
0: Ah, It's Thursday. It's April 21st. And this morning I shout out approximately three ounces of pot. (laughs) I'm no illusions. I'm Heath Enright, and from Bunker Hillbilly, Valdosta, Georgia, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode,
1: no Jews or Catholics need apply makes a comeback. God will consume the sodomites with fireballs from their mouths and bolts of lightning from their arses. And we'll learn that New Jersey's reputation for substandardness pervades even their folklore. But first, the diatribe. I bet religious debates seem especially stupid if you're a vampire or a Highlander. I, I mean, maybe not vampires, because if the holy water and cross thing works, I guess that's pretty good evidence for the other guys, and I don't know. But it just seems to me that it would be impossible to take these assholes seriously if you live for a couple of centuries. I, I've only been around for four decades, and I can't take them seriously. But when you look at these arguments over the long term, it starts looking like a reporter arguing with Donald Trump. I never claimed that. We, we have the transcript right here. Is there, I don't see no transcript. You know, I was overwhelmed by this thought the other day when I was listening to a biology lecture on Audible. So the dude's talking about the clay life hypothesis, which is this awesome concept on how RNA might have arisen on the early earth. It's one of those things, if I try to explain it in any detail, I'm just going to make all the biologists in the audience cringe. But the basic concept is that certain types of layered clays attract different nucleotides to various layers, which could have acted as a template for the earliest forms of proto-RNA. And I almost certainly fucked up that sentence. But as near as I can tell, the gist of it is that if this hypothesis proves correct, it means the first self-replicating thing on the planet might have been clay. And that played a key role in abiogenesis. Now, again, I know nothing about this. I have no idea how seriously modern biologists are taking this idea. But my first thought upon hearing it was, if this ever becomes the accepted theory, we're all going to be deafened by religious apologists screaming, Genesis 2-7 to Job 10-9, motherfuckers. God told you it was clay all along. And then a bunch of atheists will line up to say, well, no, it says there that humans are made of clay. Not that clay helped polymerize RNA so that it could evolve into humans billions of years later. And then there's going to be a big debate about it. And there'll be a whole display at Ken Ham's museums about how God used a clay to line up nucleotides since that was way easier than just doing it himself. And, and the Muslim apologists will finally be able to upgrade their waves beneath the waves bullshit. And a whole new category of asininity is going to arise that we reluctant atheist debaters are going to have to familiarize ourselves with. Now think about this. Today, their favorite argument is a vague appeal to abiogenesis. You know, they love to trot out the various unanswered questions between non-organic and bacteria, like that's our Achilles heel. And this could be one of the key insights that definitively solves that puzzle. So if we were in a sincere debate, finding a new piece of information like that would be a powerful argument in our favor. But we know that if and when we come to that answer, the goalposts are just going to move to some other field and some other sport or something. And the potent argument we lack today is going to be the potent argument that they're using tomorrow. But of course, if you're a vampire or a Highlander, you already know this shit, unless you're a relatively new one. Because any effort to pull back the historical lens beyond a lifetime or two reveals just what disingenuous bullshit we're up against. Over and over again, you see the religious side of the debate hang their entire argument on Thing X, and then scientists definitively prove them wrong, and then they fight the proven science as long as they can, and then they act like X never really mattered and it was always about Y. And even though you may not be able to see the whole thing play out in any one lifetime, you can see it in all its various stages in a snapshot. You know, on one end of the scale, you got the present-day go-to bullshit from the well-informed Christian apologist. Most of these today are the how-do-you-explain type arguments, because they've basically learned their lesson about making actual assertions. So they try to hide their God in the gap between organic matter and reproduction, or they try to squeeze him into that microsecond before the Big Bang or something like that. And of course, at the opposite end of the scale, you've got these long-discarded arguments like, well, who made this lightning then? Or, you know, who just rustled those leaves over there on a tree? But you can also find everything in between. You know, evolution is the obvious example. You got half of them trying to disprove it, and the other half arguing that it doesn't matter. Now, the existence of the people trying to disprove it undercuts the idea that it doesn't matter almost as much as a thorough understanding of evolution, but more and more, the forward edge of religious debate is abandoning anti-evolution arguments. And of course, if you'd been alive and following these debates in the 1800s, it would seem insane to argue that religion gets to still be true if evolution is true. It directly contradicts the most important concepts of not only Christianity, but virtually all religions. So these people saying, well, maybe God just guided evolution would look exactly like Trump going, I never said Mexico was sending us their And and if you back it up a little further, it gets even more ridiculous. If you'd been around for 300 years, you'd still remember when the cutting edge arguments for religion were like, well, how else do those demons get into your bio? If you were 500 years old, you would still remember Descartes arguing the ability to think about God made him exist. And if you were a thousand years old, you'd still remember when Aquinas proved God with the same strategy as a four-year-old repeatedly asking why. You know, that's one of the main reasons I push back so hard against this focus on agnosticism. It's as though religion hadn't been making all these predictions that have been universally disproven for centuries and centuries. Look, religion makes a claim. Science proves them wrong. Religion ignores that claim and makes another. There is no end to that cycle unless the rest of us simply say, enough. You've made a million predictions and all of them were wrong, which means you are wrong, which means the fundamental way you're making your predictions is wrong, which means your predictions don't get to be taken seriously anymore. And of course, the shorthand version of that sentiment is, fuck off, I'm an atheist.
2: They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin.
1: Joining me for headlines tonight is 108 pounds of raw muscle... 30 pounds of raw bones, 21 pounds of raw skin, seven and a half pounds of raw intestines, and 30 pounds of raw assorted organs, lipids, and fluids. Heath, then right. Heath, are you ready to be greater than the sum of your parts? Uh Yeah, sure, but uh, I am starting to worry about your obsession with my whole... Just I can't get enough of the homophone humor.
0: Yeah, it works
1: best on an audio medium. Perfect. Well, when you say it like that, it does. Yeah. <laughs> In our lead story tonight, Brits received a new non-racist reason to be scared shitless of their swelling Muslim population last week after a survey of British Muslims revealed that about two-thirds of them would not inform authorities if someone they knew had terrorist ties. In addition, about 4% of British Muslims say they sympathize with suicide bombers and Islamic terrorists in general. Let that one sink in. About 4% of British Muslims, about 100,000 citizens, were willing to admit to a pollster sitting across from them (laughs) that they sympathize with anti-government terrorists. Okay, I mean,
0: in fairness, all these people are probably being spied on regardless of their answers, so I'm well, well, completely yeah. surprised that a few people were just like, uh, you know what, fuck you guys, I wouldn't report. It. <laughs> what are you going to do, spy on me more, sponsor some terrorists to take over Palestine again? From what the you terrorists, know. Yeah, okay, right. just to be clear, though, I do disagree with the terrorist sympathizers, but... You know, I'm not surprised they exist. Well, well, the well right. At.
1: And I'd love to see a follow up question on how much they trust the British police to treat a Muslim terror suspect fairly. Right. <laughs> that would be relevant. Well, and, and to be perfectly honest, I'd also love to see some kind of control number here. For example, what percent of American evangelicals would tell the cops if they knew somebody was about to bomb an abortion clinic? Right. Yeah. I, I, what, right. what percent That's of white now. Brits would tell the cops if they knew somebody was about to commit an anti-Muslim hate crime? You know, I have no way of knowing whether two-thirds is high or low, but like you say, one way or the other, <laughs> it's fucking terrifying. Uh Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call that high. And
0: uh I'm basing that on my common sense control number that says approximately 0% of
1: people should advocate helping out terrorists, <laughs> given what terrorist and zero mean? Well, when you put it definitionally like that, yeah, but in my opinion, the more telling part of this survey was the part where they delved into the social issues in order to get a snapshot of how well Muslims were integrating into the larger population, and the answer is a resounding meh. On the one hand, they did report a slightly higher sense of a strong belonging to the country than the general population, 86% versus 83%, and 88% said that they thought Britain was a good place for Muslims to live. On the other hand, Two-fifths of Muslims reported that women should always obey their husbands, compared to 5% of the general population. And 26% Mm. said that the Jews were responsible for all the wars, compared with 6% of the general population. Most all. And and keep in mind, though, with these control numbers, the Muslims are about 5% of the population, so they're counted in those ones, too. That means, apparently, they're okay with stuff like the Union Jack and the bland, watery ketchup, not so much with the Western values (laughs) that go with them.
0: We're getting there. And in Postacon news tonight... According to last week's ruling by U.S. District Judge John M. Gerard, the Nebraska State Penitentiary can continue denying privileges to Pastafarian prisoner Stephen Kavanaugh, who brought the lawsuit, as well as any other inmates whose religion isn't one of the real ones. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's not clear what the... Fuck that would even mean real ones, but one way or another, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster does not count.
1: Well, well, obviously, because I mean, you know, we know where that one comes from, and we can prove that it was disingenuous. The, like Mormonism? I, I mean, because it was made up by a prankster. Scientology. Be, because mm. because they don't believe in God. Uh, Buddhism. Be, because it started as a practical joke. Uh, seventh Day Adventism. Uh, because they wor- worship food. Catholicism. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a total load of shit. Fuck that judge. <laughs> so uh, the decision
0: is obviously unconstitutional, and it also directly contradicts a ruling from last summer obtained by the American Humanist Association about this exact issue. Oh, way back in Yeah, 15. way back in last summer, right. Yeah. But uh, if there's a silver lining here, I guess it's the fact that we got to watch a judge beautifully illustrate the point being made by Pastafarianism by showing us just how thoroughly he does not get it. And uh, as far as I can tell, his reasoning went something like this. He's saying that believers in the flying spaghetti monster don't get equal rights because they wouldn't want those equal rights. Really? So the judge thinks we're like proud black people who feel like the 14th Amendment was a little too (laughs) patronizing.
1: Right. That's what he thinks is happening. And how do you know that we didn't want to own us too? You never (laughs) even asked, did you?
0: (laughs) And uh, just so nobody thinks I'm putting words into this judge's mouth – Here's a piece of the official ruling from Gerard. And uh, keep in mind, he's too embarrassed to say flying spaghetti monster all the way out. So he says FSM instead. Oh, okay. Quote, it is not clear from Kavanaugh's complaint whether his professed adherence to FSM-ism is grounded in that humanistic argument or in a literal reading of the FSM gospel. But to read the FSM gospel literally would be to misrepresent it. And indeed... To do it a disservice in the process that would present the fsm gospel as precisely the sort of fundamentalist dogma that it was meant to rebut, and don't get it at all quote
1: well, i mean that's that's that would be like pointing to isaiah 14, 21 and deuteronomy twenty four sixteen and saying yeah I mean it says that the children both should and shouldn't suffer for the sins of the father, so <laughs> it's literally impossible to take this seriously, no crackers for you and again and again, if the law also said that. We'd have no issues here, <laughs> yeah. nor would Kavanaugh. Okay, so uh, my question is, are
0: we listening to the point that Pastafarianism is making or not? I mean, it, it sounds like this judge thinks we should, maybe, Well, but that would mean everyone should get the same treatment regardless of religion or non-religion. Exactly. Except his ruling said the exact opposite. Uh, also, bigger picture, we have a high-ranking federal judge who thinks there's a difference between pirate grog and sacramental wine in terms of like actual magical ability (laughs) several yeah he thinks like an eye patch is stupid but you know if you remove the elastic band and wear the exact same piece of fabric on your head and say jewish stuff that's a real mystical item at that Mm -hmm. point
1: yeah and We pay this person to judge things. Cannot be overemphasized. And in papal bull news tonight, we have a follow-up on last week's thrashing of pontifical gas factory, Pope Fraxinella's declaration of occasional reluctant limited tolerance towards gays, the amorous laetitia. Apparently, we were so focused on his bigoted conditional quasi-acceptance of L's, G's, and B's that we completely missed all the potent assholery that he reserved for the T's. Oh, good. He had some so, of that too. yeah, uh-huh, by way of apology, I should point out that in addition to saying that same-sex couples aren't legitimate families and they shouldn't get to adopt children or be married, he also reserved a couple of sentences to tell transgender teens to quit all their bitching. Which is honestly weird, because gender transition seems like a... Really simple way to solve this whole uh, same-sex couple problem. <laughs> Don't say that no too loud. They took you seriously in a round. <laughs> so according to Pope Unfortunate circumstances, the real problem transgender teens face is that they're too self-centered and self-absorbed to be happy with the way God made them. And, 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 and he does not mean transgender when he says that. He means the opposite of that. Straight from the horse's ass. Quote, An appreciation of our body as male or female is also necessary for our own self-awareness. In this way, we can joyfully accept the specific gift of another man or woman, the work of God the Creator, and find mutual enrichment, end quote. If the the Pope is concerned with dudes joyfully accepting their
0: maleness, maybe he should consider not dressing like Little White Riding Hood every day. (laughs) Or keep doing whatever he wants and stop being an asshole.
1: Either way. Yeah, there you go. But it
0: actually, scratch that, just the second one. Yeah, exactly. Right,
1: right, exactly. Because if I could get away with dressing like that, I would totally rock the cape anyway. The cape, at least. For yeah. Sure. And just to make Capes sure that we sweet. don't have to revisit the same bigotry manifesto again next week, I should point out that Pope Frangible Ammo also doubled down on the church's anti-condom stance by lamenting the use of the term safe sex because it makes it sound like, quote, an eventual child is an enemy to be protected against, end quote. Plus... <laughs> Maybe there's good AIDS, too, when we just don't know because we keep using all the condoms. So same-sex unions are illegitimate. Transgender teens just need to get over themselves. And birth control is evil. Once again, all together, guys, he's no better than Palpatine. He's just more photogenic. (laughs) And who wouldn't be? Come on. And in debating furiously
0: news tonight. Ted Cruz may have a big masturbation problem on his hands. Or a little one. And it's actually worse than it sounds. Thanks to the liberal media conspiracy, there's been a recent wave of reports about that time back in 2007 when Ted Cruz wrote a 76-page legal argument against the right to have orgasms. (laughs) Unless, of course, you have a spotter to help you out. Right, yeah, exactly. Also, you or the spotter has to get pregnant.
1: Or or at least try really hard, honestly, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot of legalese like that, but you get the general idea. Right, right. And while this doesn't tell us much about sound jurisprudence, it does go a long way towards confirming my Ted Cruz is so ugly he won't even fuck himself hypothesis. (laughs) I mean, could you keep hard when you knew that was just a mirror away? I have, but that's not the point. So
0: amidst his um, busy schedule of rescuing stem cells from supervillains and competing really hard versus that other spy. (laughs) Cruz held the post of Texas. He looks just like spy. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So back in the day, Cruz held the post of Texas solicitor general from 2003 until 2008. And that meant Ted Cruz had the very important job of defending a legal ban on sex toys in all of Texas by submitting a brief to the U S court of appeals that argued, Americans do not have the right to masturbate. And just for context, this was all done in hopes that the state could uphold a conviction against some lady that got arrested by undercover Texas police for selling dildos at a Tupperware party.
1: <laughs> that all happened. I love that some cop drew that straw. It should it's, it's come as no surprise, though. That when it came time for somebody in the office to write the nobody should have sexual gratification brief, they went straight to old Teddy and a whole room full of lawyers. They go, Hey, Cruz, your wife needs intravenous absinthe to copulate with you. This should be right up your alley. Got one for you. And, uh, here's a few of the words that a U.S.
0: Senator and presidential candidate actually wrote down on purpose. First, he argued that Texas had police power interests in, quote, discouraging prurient interests in sexual gratification, end quote. So, first of all, you're douchebag for using the word prurient. <laughs> also, uh, that's redundant, you pseudo-intellectual well, platypus. Yeah, that's the problem. Prurient means having <laughs> interest in sexual gratification. Anyway, moving on. Cruz also added, quote, there is no substantive due process right to stimulate one's genitals for non-medical purposes, unrelated to procreation or outside of an interpersonal relationship, end quote. You
1: know, I, I have a hard time believing Jefferson meant anything other than whacking off when he said pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I, I guess it could have been a euphemism for slave rape. you got to consider the well, source. Yeah. But at, at the very least, designers thought that's what he was talking about. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, perhaps my favorite part of the story came from
0: Addicting Info, who reported on the following tweet from a guy named Craig Mason. Oh, I know that guy. Who was a classmate of <laughs> Cruz's at Princeton. Yep. According to Mr. Mason, quote, Ted Cruz thinks people don't have a right to stimulate their genitals. I was his college roommate. This would be a new belief of
1: his. Zing! End quote. <laughs> <laughs> and oh the God. other sock drops. Oh yeah, right? so with that new addition to your nightmare fodder, we're going to take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate race, it makes a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in misogyny.
2: Bet Muslim footloose, they just execute Laurie Singer and chop Kevin Bacon's feet off. Something tells me that Muslim audiences would eat that shit up with a spoon, because even though their methods are Bond villain at best and horror movie villain at worst, their motivations are as often as not Disney villain. I mean, for fuck's sakes, they hate music. Now, obviously, not all Muslims hate music, but enough of them do for there to be laws against it in some Muslim countries. And of course, if music is bad, lady music must be downright evil. And that brings us to a Reuters story that astute listener Elena sent me about an all-female orchestra in Afghanistan. It's largely the story of Negan Iqbalwak, a 19-year-old Eastern Afghani native who had to play piano in secret, lest the conservative Muslims nearby got wind of a person profaning their prudish patriarch by making sounds well. Anyway, I'll fast forward to the good part, where Negan starts a 35-piece all-woman ensemble in Kabul, and now when she goes home, her brothers threaten to beat her to death for playing music on television. And yes, that's all the uplift you're going to get out of this one. But if those Afghans think women playing music is scurrilous, just imagine how they'd have reacted to the scandal that's rocking Iran this week. According to a report in The Guardian, a female member of parliament in Iran is at risk of losing her seat after publicly grabbing a man she hardly knew right in the hand. That's right, she shook a dude's hand. That wasn't related to her. In a country other than Iran. And for that, she may be booted out of parliament. Now, in her defense, she denies these allegations because there's actually a law against that. So she has to go out and say, these reports that I with that man's open palm are slanderous, as though being outraged over this isn't the height of stupidity. And just to underscore exactly how silly this is, a fellow MP came to her defense, sort of, by pointing out that, quote, it's not wrong to shake an unrelated man's hand with gloves on, end quote. Or maybe a hand condom, or maybe you cover it with a protective coating of vaginal slime. What the fuck is wrong with these people? And quick while the gals in the audience comfort themselves by saying something like, I'm glad I'm not there, I should remind them that we're only not there because we're actively pushing back against it. The theocrats are nibbling at the edges of our political system right now, and they're a hell of a lot closer to the levers of power than anybody should be comfortable with. I mean, just look at John Kasich, you know, the moderate GOP candidate, the guy who the Republicans decided was way too progressive to represent them in the general. Yeah. Well, it looks like he made the classic GOP blunder by bringing up rape the other day, complete with a bit of advice. It started at a town hall event in Watertown, New York, where a first year law student in the audience posed a question about her personal safety. Specifically, she asked what a President Kasich would do to help her feel safer and more secure regarding sexual violence, harassment, and rape. And he started off kind of okay by pointing out all the resources the school already had if she was the victim of harassment or assault. And I mean, basically, this part of the answer amounted to, don't worry your pretty little head off, none miss, we already done took care of that. But that seems way less offensive when you compare it to how he finished. When the law student pressed the question a bit and pointed out that despite the existing safeguards, she still felt unsafe, Kasich answered, quote, well, I'd also give you one bit of advice. Don't go to parties where there's a lot of alcohol, end quote. And as bad as that is, I guess when you consider it came from the guy who attributed a political victory to women coming out of the kitchens to support him, I guess I should be happy he didn't add and try not to dress too slutty. And with that testament to my perpetual optimism, I'll hand things back over to Noah and Heath.
1: Thank you, Lucinda. And in resume or may not news tonight, we've got another update on the pre-lawsuit portion of the Ark Park's hiring practices. With the new Ark Encounter theme park scheduled to open this summer, it's time for the Dunderhead from Down Underhead to put (laughs) his constitutionally dubious hiring practices to the test. And I should note that when I say dubious, I mean ass-fucked. Hmm. I mean that they somehow found the constitution's asshole probably in the due <laughs> process clause and gave it an unwelcome sodomizing. Okay, so I'm
0: I'm confused. They're they're only going to be hiring sodomites? <laughs> I think this politically correct stuff
1: is getting out of hand. <laughs> prove it. Prove it. No, I don't get ahead of me here. Now, to be honest, <laughs> I've been waiting for this like it was opening day ever since a judge ruled that answers in Genesis would be allowed to discriminate in their hiring practices while still receiving 18 million bucks in taxpayer funded incentives. The First Amendment enthusiasts in the country have been waiting with bated breath to see just how much ammunition Amish Wolverine was going to give the appeals court. And it looks like it's about nine yards worth because apparently they're actually going to refuse to hire janitors who won't sign a statement of theological submission. From what the Associated Press says the park won 't be hiring anyone for any position that can 't produce a note from a religious leader testifying as to their religiosity a note can 't provide an adequate statement of faith that they 've written themselves and won 't sign a contract promising to think that the earth is six thousand years old and was <laughs> created by real Christian god
0: yeah, it also helps to have a bill of sale that
1: proves you 're a genuine freedom. <laughs> <laughs> No kidding. We'll get you right in. And by the way, as if the no-Jews, Arabs, or Satanic atheists hiring policy wasn't already bad enough, the AIG statement of faith that you have to sign your name to also has a minimum bigotry requirement. According to the statement— minimum. Yeah, well, okay, up to this point, the thing is only mentioned, you know, agreeing with biblical creationism kind of shit that relates to the park in a sense. You also apparently, though, have to agree, quote— the only legitimate marriage sanctioned by God is the joining of one naturally born man and one naturally born woman in a single exclusive union as delineated by Scripture. Wait, there's more. i so worried about loopholes. Uh, yeah, right. Oh, no. You wait till you hear the rest of this. God intends sexual intimacy to occur only between a man and a woman who are married to each other. And has commanded that no intimate sexual immorality, such as, this is an amazing list, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, pornography, or any attempt to change one's gender or disagreement with one's biological (laughs) gender is sinful and offensive to God, end quote. You have to agree with that. Before they will let you mop up the monkey shit when the art closes.
0: <sighs> <sighs> and in hand-to-gland combat. There's so
1: nitroglycerin here.
0: We have another growing front in the war on tugs. This latest conflict arose in Utah when the state legislature passed a bill last month aimed at fighting back against the so-called pornography epidemic. What? which is apparently a pubic health crisis, (laughs) according to the overwhelming minority of experts. (laughs) And since that's how the law generally works in Utah, Mm -hmm. Governor Gary Herbert signed the resolution this week. So congratulations to Utah. They now hold the proud honor of being the first state to officially recognize the medical danger
1: of Dicks and boobies on video.
2: <laughs> Good job, guys. Right.
1: Well, to be fair, though, married people in Utah can get on-demand, barely legal, and girl-on-girl way easier than the rest of us. <laughs> so they don't need it as much. What with the um, the uh, the binders,
0: <laughs> a, lot, a lot of options. So, uh, one of the major players behind this latest push is anti-porn activist Gail Dines, who. Apropos of nothing, looks like Babe Ruth in drag hosting a Wiccan seance. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks to her lobbying at an anti-porn summit on Capitol Hill that we apparently fucking had, uh, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler decided to sponsor the bill in question. And he believes there's a scientific basis for this whole, uh, anti-porn movement. Is there now? Yeah, uh, according to research conducted by some Creepy fucking Mormon dudes at a group called Fight the New Drug. And yes, they mean porn. Sounds That's objective. the new drug. According to their scientific findings, quote, porn hates families. Oh, quote. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, very specific. Uh, their data also strongly suggested that, quote, porn kills love, end
1: quote. So a lot to think about. Uh, guys, not that nine inches isn't impressive, but that's not what p-value means at all. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's
0: combined. It's so a regression analysis joke right there. Remind me the impressiveness then. <laughs> all right. So uh, one last thing. Quick note on the actual science about this. According to numerous studies and also common fucking sense, more available porn in a society means less sexual violence. So you can literally porn the rape out of people. Yeah, right, at, right. At least some of them. Well, yeah, exactly. So we should definitely do that. The the thing that reduces raping and causes orgasms, which are literally made of happiness. <laughs> See, I mean exactly. porn should be mandatory at this at, point. The, at this point, yeah, knowing what we know now, anti-rape made of happiness. Can there be a better thing? <laughs>
1: Come on. We'll find out later in the headlines that there can be. (laughs) And in Noah's archaeology news tonight, convicted felon turned totally legitimate retailer of Scorpion Locust Proof Apocalypse Kibble Buckets. Jim Baker managed to look less stupid than the person next to him last week when he invited Dr. Dennis Lindsay on his show for a discussion of precisely which mythical creatures built Stonehenge. Oh, Turns, uh, out was, that was answered. turns out it was giants. giants you know, my money was okay. on Manticores. I know Heath had everybody's yeah. favorite long necked Japanese trickster demons, the Roku Rokubi in the pool, Fucking but lost no. That one. According to Dr. Lindsay, it was uh it was giants. It's giants.
0: No, well, I I mean, I'm not sure how he can prove that, but it would certainly reconcile
1: lots of contradictions in the Bible, so. <laughs> wouldn't it? Okay. Now, oh, yeah, understand
0: what they're getting at.
1: So, during a break from the Soylent Orange sales pitch, Baker brings this ass hat on, and I, and I apologize to all the real doctors for attaching the honorific to the, this academic paraquat, but apparently, he has one of those self-contradicting doctorates in practical theology from Oral <laughs> Roberts University. Anyway, he did his alma mater proud when he announced the latest discovery of creationist science, that discovery being of course the aforementioned giants that built Stonehenge. And if you're asking yourself what kind of giants apparently I was Lindsay had you in mind Good. when he clarified that these were satanic giants. <laughs> okay, so we've got satanic giants
0: playing with fucking giant Legos in England back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um why am I ordering the food buckets again? This
1: proves the like, apocalypse. feel like he needs though. to work on a more of a straight line sales pitch. Whatever. <laughs> We're going around Proofs the, the bend there right, a little okay. bit. yeah. Got it. So apparently this discovery comes from reading the parts of the Bible that talk about giants roaming the earth and thinking to yourself, I bet that's who bid them big rock benches in England. <laughs> and of course, according to Lindsay, Stonehenge is, quote, just one of hundreds and hundreds of gigantic places around the world that testify that some sort of supernatural power or giants were involved in its construction, end quote. Right, like the Great Pyramid, that uh, huge fucking giant suppository they made. That corn silo, yeah. So he's hedging his bets, though. I love that he's hedging his bets as to whether or not these were magical Satan giants. You know, we don't know what kind of Satan giants they were. (laughs) Don't overstate shit. That's just good science there. (laughs) And
0: finally tonight, in hate balls of fire news, thanks to Pastor James David Manning, of the Atla Worldwide Hate Church in Harlem, New York, we have our first ever story that involves gay sex and flamethrowers. This is our first? It is our first, believe it or not. And uh, I got to say, he really upped his game since we got him on the payroll.
1: <laughs>
2: we
0: really did. Well yeah. Have, yeah. In his online sermon last week, <laughs> Manning announced that God has a new curse for all the sodomites. And it's a good one. And also any sodomite sympathizers, too. <laughs> right. Apparently, Manning talked with God. And from now on, receiving butt sex will cause balls of fire to spring forth from one's colon when it's over. I see. Also, uh, anyone who agrees with equal rights for gay people will have the same thing with their vagina. <laughs> and also, apparently,
1: grow a vagina. <laughs> <if applicable. laughs> So uh, he's pro-trans, at least, well, but, but still. I mean, I don't want to overstate things here, but this is great news. If Isn't we could it? harness the powers of these anal hadoukens, West Palm Beach alone could solve the looming energy crisis. <laughs> okay, it's awesome. Just when you think butt sex can't get any better. <laughs> so, uh yeah, this was uh kind of like trying to cut
0: down Hamlet into a paragraph, so couldn't capture all the nuance of his argument (laughs) here's a small sample of manning's actual chosen words oh please quote the next time you get poked in the butt a flame when that man pulls that penis out of you a flame will shoot out of you i got the word in my mouth Fantastic. <laughs> Continuing. You think AIDS was bad? You ain't seen nothing oh, for yet. Fuck's sake. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the sodomite slayer. Either they get out of town, all the gay people out of New York City. I guess uh-huh. he's ready, yeah, right. Right. Or flame and fire gonna come out of their butthole. <laughs> oh, and anybody that sympathizes with them, they gonna have a flame shooting out of their vagina. You're going to need asbestos panties. Oh, <laughs> God will destroy you. End quote.
1: That's so
0: fantastic. fucking fantastic.
1: Where do you even start? I mean, I mean, the asbestos panties? No, he, you, he you you, knows you That people with vaginas also have assholes, right? You could just use that across the board. That would be... But more importantly... He
0: does not know that. How
1: how is God going to destroy you with fire that comes out of your own asshole after you just had butt sex or your vagina? I mean, if you're dressed at the time, sure, but you wouldn't have just been having butt sex. I dare say... And I know I'm arguing with a self-appointed doctor here. But I dare say (laughs) this makes no sense.
0: (laughs) Okay, well... Just to review, get oh, you yeah, caught please, up. Um, please catch me up here. Pastor Manning thinks that God created AIDS to kill gay people, mm-hmm. and then God realized the plan wasn't working. The, the plan that he, the omnipotent creator of the universe, came up with wasn't right. working. Yeah. And then he decided to switch over to ass torches. And he's warning vagina torches. In advance. Which should do the trick, unless, of course, he gets foiled by... Asbestos panties. Oh, right. asbestos yeah. butt plugs. He <laughs> shouldn't have. Or, uh, you know, if all the sodomites get special glasses like Cyclops, in which case you could say uh, the whole plan backfired. I
1: was I waiting for the backfired. Yeah, yeah, no. Why would you put one of the fucking foils for the fucking plan right in your warning? <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, and also, if I'm reading this correctly, I mean, catchers just got superpowers. So, I mean, cool. yeah, you you might take care of a few pitchers early on, but I mean, they're going to learn to pull out in time or, or wear a welder's apron or something. And meanwhile, you've got asshole Kamehameha's to watch out for when you're when you're out sodomite slaying. God really <laughs> didn't think this one through. I don't mind saying. Yeah. However, uh all that being said,
0: if Manning is indeed correct about God's new curse, the gay Porn industry is gonna have a lot of adjusting to do. <laughs> I think they will. And uh the least of their worries at that point is gonna be new titles. What well, with all the uh insurance stuff? It's gonna be mostly insurance <laughs> stuff, I would imagine. But uh there's no need to worry. This is why we do this segment. Exactly for moments like this. We'll Getting ahead, yeah. We will need thirty seconds on the clock. Fire sodomy porn titles <laughs> or well, I guess just sodomy porn titles well, which right, naturally yeah.
1: involve fire by definition. <laughs> <go>. <laughs> at this point. All right, how about a sodomighty win? <laughs> What about, uh, Smokeback Mountain? Okay, alright, how about The Flaming of the Shrew? Sorry, apparently they didn't use hamsters back in Shakespeare's day. It doesn't exactly match up, but same idea. What about, uh, Back That Draft Up? Or Tap That Ash. The Bugger Games Part Number Two, Catching Fire. Um, a little bit of a stretch there. Uh, blazing Straddles? Maybe Polyp Sibians? Friction? I mean, if the Santorum was f- f- flammable, that that could do it. <laughs> um, burn after bleeding? <laughs> How about fairy bits of fire? Dun, 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 dun. He promised to chase gay people around Manhattan on chariots anyway. One of his other he, he did. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true. Actually, I think he cause said. It's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about American Pyro? Oh, nice. Porno for Warm Apple Pirates. There you go. Uh how about Fire Starter Three? Sinternal Combustion. <laughs> um, what about in the line of fire in the glory hole? <laughs> you never go ash to mouth. In That's case you never Tom and Cecil needed to adjust <laughs> in, under this uh under this new uh apparent I'm sure they'll get an the asbestos rule. glory hole. All right, I got one fine. more. How about Cock Cock and two smoking barrels? <laughs> All right. All
0: right, last one for me, too. about the extinguished gentleman? Pop, drop, and roll.
1: <laughs> in the jizz puddle. That's all you really have to do. And I guess at this point, we should take a quick break so the folks at home can find somebody to butt fuck and see if all of this stuff works. So we'll close the headlines here. Heath, thanks as always. Dig Dug. And when we come, I think you already used Dig Dug. It's a sweet game. I'm using it again. And when we come Love back, Dig dug. we'll try to scrape a little more bullshit out of the soul of society's shoe. Every country contains its cornucopia of cryptids that credulous cockworts are convinced they coexist with, and while the Sasquatch gets the lion's share of the media coverage in America, there are no end of non-existent regional cryptids for local assets to drunkenly stumble through the darkened woods in search of. So we're going to take a look at one of our personal favorites, the Jersey Devil, in yet another alphabetical installment of... How Bullshit Is It? So tell us, Heath, what is the Jersey Devil? Well...
0: According to legend, an old witch once lived in the Pine Barrens in southern New Jersey. Already the mother of 12, she became pregnant again, this time by the devil himself. The pregnancy was normal, and the delivery was quick, and for a moment, she and the midwife thought she'd birthed a healthy baby boy. But minutes later, the baby transformed into a hideous beast with the head of a goat the wings of a bat, and a forked tail. The creature attacked and killed the midwife, let out a blood-curdling scream, and escaped through the chimney. And some say this demonic chimera still roams the Pine Barrens to this day. But it doesn't.
1: I know, but some still say it does. No, 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 no. no. I I get it, but I, I mean, I would imagine there are a lot of listeners thinking... Okay, but none of that shit happened. Seems like an odd choice for a how-bullshit-is-it segment. So uh, why did you elect to go with the Jersey Devil? All right, three reasons. Uh, back to the normal voice. First of
0: all, it's a great stand-in for the regional folklore at the heart of so much of the lesser-known bullshit. Secondly, no good pseudosciences start with J, And no. trying to go alphabetical is really hard. But third, and perhaps most importantly, the story includes Quakers arguing, which hilarious already, mm-hmm. Accusations of Witchcraft, Benjamin Franklin, and a look inside the cutthroat competition of the early American almanac industry. All right, well, fuck it, I'm in. Excellent. So, um, it starts way back in the early 17th century, when a bunch of dejected English Quakers decided to settle in the region that would later become New Jersey. Well, there's your problem right there. Mostly downhill from here, yeah. So, uh, our main character is a Christian occultist, and father of twelve, named Daniel Leeds, who was eventually declared a heretic by the local Quakers. Also, he was an aspiring almanac tycoon. And uh, those last two things are actually related. <laughs> guy sounds fun. Okay. Yeah, if, if he existed in modern times, he would have a scathing atheist nickname. Sure, Certainly. So uh, Leeds arrived in New Jersey, along with the colony's first royal governor, Edward Hyde, Lord of Cornbury, as one of the governor's counselors. And when he first got there, he was a devout Quaker. But that wouldn't last long because one day he decided he wanted to get into the, uh, almanacing business.
1: Uh huh. And, uh. And and Quakers don't like, um, almanacs?
0: (laughs) Not, not like as a, a general rule or anything, but they definitely did not like this one. Specifically the horoscopes. And not because they were useless, mystical bullshit, of course, but because they were the wrong useless mystical bullshit
1: right yeah obviously okay so i mean they're quakers they didn't burn him at the stake or
0: anything i guess well at
1: first he tried to calm everybody down by
0: apologizing at the local quakers meeting but when it became clear that they wouldn't be satisfied until he rounded up every copy of his almanac and had them all destroyed at that point he switched over to uh, more of a Fuck the Quakers strategy.
1: I see. I see. I, see. I mean, what, what are they going to do? They're Quakers. An angry mob of Quakers is just <laughs> crowded. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and menacingly quiet. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, as part of this
0: ongoing feud, Leeds started to publish a series of Fuck the Quakers pamphlets that he distributed throughout the region. There's a genre of literature that just doesn't get enough play these days. It does not indeed. So uh, what followed was the 17th century version of a like a flame war or rap battle with Leeds and the Quakers releasing an escalating series of pamphlet smears and accusations against each other. Uh, Leeds accused the Quakers of being insufficiently Christian. The Quakers would accuse Leeds of blasphemy. Leeds would accuse the Quakers of being politically subversive. And he also accused them of being, you know, a bunch of fags, LOL, that kind of stuff. And hmm. by the end of it, the Quakers as an organization were publicly accusing Leeds of working under the direct supervision of Satan. Ah, the pre-Holocaust Godwin's Law. Gotcha. <laughs> Ratcheting it up, yeah. So, from here, we skip ahead a generation. Daniel Leeds has died and left the almanac business to his son, Titan. Yes, Titan, that's his name. Uh huh. And apparently, Titan was every bit the wacky jackass that his father was. He continued loading the almanac with no end of mysticism and astrology and otherwise dubious bullshit. Kind of like the Eric Hovind of his day. Okay. <laughs> and that's probably what caught the interest of the clear, scathing atheist of his day, Benjamin Franklin. Well, uh, well, that and the fact that Franklin just got into the almanac business, too, and Leeds was a direct competitor.
1: Oh, awesome. <laughs> Tell me Franklin started fucking with him. <laughs> to historical
0: degrees. It's fantastic. Awesome. So it starts out with a little bit of sniping at the love for astrology. Um, in an early edition of The Poor Richard's Almanac... Franklin actually printed a spoof where he used astrology to predict that Leeds would die later that year, based on wow,
1: fucking us a a positions. dark way to open up a flame war. <laughs> I like this shit. Well, not many people had a sense
0: of humor to match Ben Franklin back in the day, but judging by Leeds' retaliations, it's easy to conclude that he had no sense of humor at all. Did not get it. Oh, really? He basically printed all the entries under the. Fuck that guy heading in the thesaurus. A uh, response that we would call in modern parlance, taking
1: the troll bait. (laughs) Hook, line, and sinker. I wish we had Ben Franklin's tweets. That would be awesome. All right, well, this is the next best thing, I guess. Okay, all right. So the ball is in Benji's court. Right. So
0: Franklin responded by basically accusing Titan of being an evil universe version of himself sent from the (laughs) spirit world to ruin his own (laughs) reputation. That's awesome. And again, judging by the reaction... Titan went to his grave in 1738, never realizing Franklin was fucking to him <laughs> the whole time.
1: I am not. Oh, that's awesome. No idea. But, okay. So now, wait. The, the, the guy that we started with is dead to the second generation, and there's still no bipedal horse demon in this story. So... <laughs> ben Franklin
0: wasn't the type to let the death of his opponent ruin a really good feud. Oh, I see. So, for years afterwards, he continued to publish stories about the ghost of Titan Leeds haunting him and trying to undermine his success. <laughs> I fucking love that Fantastic. guy. Fantastic. Nobody's portrait. I'd rather snort cocaine through, I guess. <laughs> anyway, by the time this all fades into the background, you have a family in southern Jersey that was hated by the local churches and distrusted by the burgeoning independence movement, two of whose patriarchs had been publicly accused of working directly for Satan and being a resurrected evil ghost, <laughs> Oh, and, and they have a really creepy wyvern on their family crest, too. So, it's easy to see how the gossip mill was primed by all that, including fucking dragon thing and family crest. All right, okay, so, that, so that's where the folklore starts? Uh, as near as anyone can tell, yes. Um There's actually no mention in writing of the Jersey Devil or anything like the modern myth until the early 20th century. So, there's no way to tell what the story looked like in the first iteration. All we can say with any certainty is what actually happened and what people were saying about it after a 171-year game of Chinese whisper telephone.
1: Okay, so then what reignited the legend? Well, if
0: you believe any stupid thing people say, the sightings started around 1820, after a 100-year Quaker exorcism expired, apparently, with reported witnesses like Commodore Stephen Decatur, and also Napoleon's brother Joe. But since none of the pre-20th century sightings include... Any kind of historical documentation, and since Quakers don't actually do exorcisms, you can pretty much ignore everything up until 1909, when something actually kind of big happened. More than a 100 people reported seeing the creature within a one-week period. Okay. 1909. Well, that's not insignificant. No, it, it isn't not. Um, the sighting started with reports of strange footprints in the snow that was followed up by vague sightings, and before the hysteria reached its zenith... The Jersey Devil had attacked a trolley car in Haddon Heights and also terrorized a social club in Camden. Who hasn't? In the latter incident, there are even reports that local police
1: fired on the creature, but to no effect. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what you're saying is that people in New Jersey have just always been like this. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's even rumored that during the devil scare, the Philadelphia
0: Zoo offered up a $10,000 reward For a sample of the Jersey Devil's dung. So somebody had to sort through piles of shit to see which one looked like the mythical devil shit. Love to see that one. ad. And by the way, I also saw a story about a guy who tried to sell the the same zoo, a kangaroo with fake wings glued onto it. Oh, I want to see a picture. Yeah, there's there's no picture.
1: Sorry. Australian listeners help us out here. This
0: can be recreated. (laughs) Uh, believe it or not, that's not the only wings glued to a kangaroo hoax that I found related to this. You're shitting me. Yeah. Apparently, Philadelphia's Arch Street Museum exhibited exactly such a kangaroo and called it the Jersey Devil immediately after the sighting started to die down in 1909. The museum's publicist confessed to the hoax
1: a couple of decades later. That is so stupidly awesome. Okay, so now, are there any explanations for the sightings themselves, like the original sightings? Well, obviously, some amount of it is
0: just mob paranoia. Right. If you start seeing stories on Monday about people seeing strange demons in your area, and then you see a relatively normal thing on Tuesday, you're a lot more likely to think, I wonder if that's a demon. But that being said, something had to kick the whole ordeal off, and my favorite explanation for that is the Sandhill
1: Crane. A bird. Uh Yeah. Oh, I see. Now, does this particular bird have a goat's head? <laughs> no, but
0: it is bipedal. It has wings. It has a pretty bizarre call that could be mistaken for a blood-curdling scream. Like, yeah, and <laughs> they're an infinitely more
1: likely suspect than an actual horse demon bat. I would say. Well, and also, it's fun to imagine a bunch of New Jerseyites getting all worked up over a fucking bird. So I guess we're going to wrap it up with a predictable finale as I ask you, How Bullshit Is It? There are almost certainly no
0: accursed satanic bipedal Pegasus human hybrids in Newark. I can se- say that se- confidently. Seems like you're kind of soft pedaling it. All right. <laughs> it's... It's Chris Christie talking about Bridges' level of bullshit. There you go. Plus, plus <laughs> then he takes a shit right there while he's talking to you. Okay. Uh, one last thing, by the way, before we go. I wanted to offer a shout out to Brian Regal. He has an excellent article on this story at Psycop's website, and we leaned on it pretty heavily when researching
1: the spit. If you want to know more, we'll have it linked on the show notes. Check it out. All right. Well, thanks again for lending us your fecal expertise. And I guess the important takeaway here is that New Jersey's hockey team is named after a bunch of dumbasses pissing themselves over a bird. (laughs) It's time for the part of the show that comes next, the listener feedback. This is the part of the show that always thanks you for holding the door for it. Our first message comes from Celine, who writes, quote, my housemate and
0: I discovered that the number one selling Bible on Amazon has a four and a half star rating and only 301 reviews. Hmm. Had an idea. So did I. Perhaps the listeners of your show could band together and leave some scathing reviews, bringing this complete pile of bullshit down to the rating it deserves. One star. Well, not even, but zero stars does not appear to be an option. And she included a link, which we'll have in the show notes if you'd care to play along.
1: Yeah one game I went to the link and apparently they also have it available on audiobook on cassette <laughs> What? Like shit you not cassette? yeah like yeah like an audio bible on cassette on <laughs> amazon it's like an anachronism squared and also
0: allegedly according to amazon people who bought the king james bible also bought the quran and the jewish bible <laughs> just got <cut> the whole <laughs> I, the whole trilogy. Anyway, we fucking
1: love Celine's idea and thought we'd give you a few ideas to get you started, so we both decided to leave our own one-star reviews of the Bible. Mine read, imagine if the whole Harry Potter series was the story of a young wizard boy reading the results from Ancestry.com aloud, and then Voldemort <laughs> wins. <laughs> and uh, I
0: wrote a gripping murder mystery, kind of like the Stephen Avery story. <laughs> Spoiler
1: alert, the Jews did it. Eh, yeah, yeah. And finally, we also got a message so. from Samantha, not her real name, but she's in one of those rare positions where the fewer people that know she's an atheist lesbian, the better it must be what all those Christians in God's not dead to world feel like. Anyway, Samantha <laughs> wrote us a really long email where she basically said, when you guys make jokes about lesbians, I laugh along. And when you guys make jokes about women, I laugh along because in her words, we quote, generally lampoon the bigoted and anti-scientific views held by the religious folks End quote. But then she takes us to task for not following that same principle when we make jokes involving people with Down syndrome. And to be perfectly honest, I've been wrestling over my response to her email for like almost a month now, I do believe. Yeah. Um, I'll start by saying Samantha gave us a very well-thought-out message full of
0: valid points. Absolutely. Um, totally get where she's coming from. The, the only defense I'll offer um, in terms of the targeting societal ignorance idea is that you don't hear too many stories about Christians making... Bible-inspired laws that are bigoted against people with intellectual disabilities. I mean, I don't doubt that discrimination exists. Oh, surely, yeah. We we don't really have a centralized, you know, bad guy to fight against. (laughs) Admittedly, still not a good excuse for horribly... Tasteless jokes but, well, but worth noting
1: Well right and, and here's the thing and, and, and there's No way to defend your down syndrome Jokes without sounding like at least <coughs> I, an, I did asshole. Sound like an Asshole just right now. I did. but to Some degree I do want to defend them in This venue because I get a lot of emails from People who say you know I don't mind the jokes about X or Y but the jokes about Z Are in poor taste and a lot of time those X's and Z's are the same Things you know and I mean all the Jokes we do are in poor taste I'm not going to argue about that But that's not the point <laughs> that's like Thing. the point is that Z in this situation is almost all going to be something that the, the, the person emailing is very connected to has a very close personal experience with like you know when we make a joke that like so-and-so looks like a person with the touch of the downs if you work with people who have down syndrome that's going to seem especially out of bounds just like i'm sure if we said so-and-so looks like so-and-so with aids that sounds especially out of bounds mm, if you work absolutely. with aids patients yeah
0: and, and there's certainly plenty of unfair stigma associated with being an aids patient and also plenty of other groups that face similar issues but I don't think it's reasonable to create a no referencing list based on like you know fluctuations and stigma. It just
1: right. So the argument that we're offering basically boils down to: if we stop making fun of people with Down syndrome, we can't make fun of people with AIDS. So, i did, but it, that's not exactly no,
2: not, uh, yeah. Right. Say I mean, it differently. Say it differently. Well, okay. So I'm not trying
1: to hide <laughs> behind satire here or anything. And I do want pretend Samantha to know that I took every word of her email to heart. She included a lot of details about the plight that people with Down syndrome face. A lot of shit that I'd never really thought about before about the levels of sexual molestation they endure. About how hard it is to fight against the stigma of infantilization, and a lot of other very valid points. But unless I'm mistaken, our jokes never make light of that kind of stuff. I mean, I I could be wrong. And if I am, I apologize. But like on this week's uh, GAM, Eli said something about how David A.R. White looked about as intimidating as, quote, an infant with Down syndrome, end quote. And yes, that joke is in horrible taste, but that's kind of what we do. Um, And I don't know that a joke like that adds to or makes light of the types of social stigma uh, that pretend Samantha was talking about in the email.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sort of remark certainly does make people with Down syndrome the secondary butt of that joke, granted. But when we describe the physical appearance of something, for example, we use all kinds of references to groups and they become the secondary butt of the joke. I mean, when I described Shinzo Abe as David Schwimmer's lesbian turtle, <laughs> um, in that example, I'm invoking the actor, the sexual orientation and the animal all in – somewhat bad ways for that moment. And I'm not lampooning any ignorant people who hate lesbians or turtles or friends or Ross or whatever, (laughs) but I'm also not, at least in my opinion, I'm not expressing
1: a negative opinion of lesbians as a whole or swimmer or turtles. I'm I'm okay with swimmer and turtles really. When you get down to it, okay. So no, look. One thing I'll certainly cop to is that we have gone back to that well too often, right? When I did a search Granted, through yes. our notes for Down syndrome, I'm sure we have. I got a tellingly robust result. So I, I don't want to try to absolve myself from any wrongdoing, and I will try to be more sensitive to the particular challenges of people with Down syndrome, both on the show and in my day to day life. But it Absolutely. would be disingenuous to say at this point, okay, here's this one group of people that we're never going to include in our jokes.
0: Right, right. Um, all that being said, though. I do sincerely apologize if anyone was personally offended or further stigmatized. That would be terrible. Yeah. And whether or not we agree on drawing a line or where it should go, if we did draw it, I will certainly take Samantha's overall message to heart going forward. And that's all the feedback you get. If you want more, keep sending us those emails, tweets, and Facebook messages. You'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingatheist.com.
1: Before we retract our clause tonight, I wanted to let you know that you're awesome and we love you. Alright, enough of that sappy shit. That's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, and an even newer episode of our brother show, God Awful Movies, 1440 minutes after that. And if you can't get enough me, you can catch more me on back-to-back episodes of The Ingenious Friend Show, I think is what it's called now, with Jake Far Wharton, at least half of which are available now. Also hung out with Jonathan over at Secular Stories a little while back. That interview is now available for your auditory consumption. We'll have have links to all of the above on the show notes for this episode. Obviously, it'd be a sad excuse for an episode if I didn't take a second to thank Keith for his uncanny ability to lampoon Pastor Manning even harder than he lampoons himself. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda for all kinds of stuff, much of it also related to hardness. I want to thank Robert Namy from the Secular Yakking Podcast for their more gender-inclusive Farnsworth quote this week. Of course, if you'd like to hear more from them, you'll find their show linked on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most eupeptic eukaryotes, Griselda, Susanna, Quincy, Marty, Richo, Edward, Matt, Jacob, Richard, Stewart, Steve, Lucas, Matthew, Greg, Albert, Alex. Jessica, Cody, Pascals, Razor, and Sheena. Griselda, Susanna, Quincy, Marty, and Richa, who are so bright their intelligence is measured in lumens. Edward, Matt, Jacob, Richard, and Stewart, who can only skinny dip comfortably if they're over the Mariana's Trench. Steve, Lucas, Matthew, Greg, and Albert, whose ejaculations give the shining elevator maximum flow envy. And Alex, Jessica, Cody, Pascals, Razor, and Sheena, who are so sexy the moon tidally locked just to get a better view. Together this score of scrappy skeptics scraped together some scare script to secure our scheduled schemes of scornful skullduggery against the scourge scriptural scams this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the Washingtons, Lincolns, and Hamiltons it takes to give us money, but if your dead presidents are starting to stink up the place, we'd be happy to take them via our per-episode donation at patreon.com slash Atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help with the 166th time I asked you for money wasn't quite the charm, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast rating vehicle of choice. We'd also appreciate it if you liked us on Facebook and told a friend about about the show, or your mom's pastor. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I did have my permission.
0: (laughs) I almost blew Noah. (laughs) But I didn't. Ah! All right. Mm. Now that's all I'm using.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm all cleaned up.